Good evening, everybody, and welcome to show number 43 of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. I'm your host, Jimmy Palumbo. And I like to say the name Jimmy Palumbo a bunch of times at the beginning of the telecast or podcast, because after all, no one else is saying my name. Behind the glass, I've got none other than Mr. Packer himself, Chris Gucci, behind the glass, helped me out here today. And this is show number 43, Chris. And uh, I'm coming to you live from the Jimmy Palumbo Studios in Mawa, New Jersey. And I spent a lot of time on the, uh, I got a new graphics package. You see it up here? I do. It's a it's scotch called, tape. and Yeah, it's, it's an app you can buy. It's called, it's called Tape Your Postcard to a Blue Screen. Uh, it's very, and honestly, I who made that that uh, flyer? The, the, you made Looks. the flyer, but the design technique um, that I made here. Uh, those of you watching on video, you'll get a clip of it. Maybe, I mean, just the hours of pre-production I took to get this. I actually had it set up with a lot of cool stuff in it. I was going to say up. the funny thing is you actually did take the time out to set I it did. all up, but it all <laughs> fell apart. It all fell apart between like literally two thirty and two forty-five, but. Uh, Anyway, so, uh, but we are here, the Jimmy Plumbo show number 43. And that means, listen, I could go with, you know, who's number 43. I can go with Jonathan Loisaga, who I, I can't stand. Raul Mondesi, remember him back in the day. Darren Sproles, there's an NFL guy for you. I was thinking about going with an old guy, Spider Lockhart, who was a D back for the Giants back in the day. But you know what? A little bit before my time. And I think, though, you would agree with this. Spider Lockhart, top ten cool names in the NFL. I mean, it's definitely up there. If right? he stunk, then it then it loses. Yeah, some right, right, but he played but... a while. He played made two Pro Bowls. Um, I mean, like a guy like if you're scouting and some guy named Spider Lockhart is playing, you got to give him a look. See, right? But no, oh, I'm going to go with a guy. I'm a Yankee fan. I think this guy was a critical guy, and I think the Yankees have been trying to replace this guy since for 20 years, and they haven't. But I'm not so sure any. Uh, Major League Baseball can replace this guy. The, he was a relief pitcher on the Yankees, number 43, Jeff Nelson. And what was critical about Jeff Nelson was, look, he was the guy that, you know, you, you, someone's got to pitch the seventh and eighth inning. Now, of course, you have a guy for the sixth inning. Seventh. But back then, you needed a two-inning guy who was lights out, and uh, that was Jeff Nelson. Uh, in 97, 98, 99, and in 2000, the guy just, you know um, – he got you to Mariano and, you know, uh, and you can remember playoff games and big games, like literally managers in the sixth inning, if they were down by a run would be like, they would be bunting desperately trying to tie it. Cause they knew if this goes to Jeff Nelson, he's probably going to shut us down. And then you got Mariano and that's another problem to deal with. So um, I, I don't have full stats on Jeff Nelson. It's not the point of this show with that, but also another thing, I don't know if you're going to agree with, he was the first wiffle ball pitcher, to play in the major leagues. Yeah, that the slider. The slider came like a different way. It was like, what? Matter of fact, when he was off, what sometimes happened, he would walk guys. It was like, dude, just what are you doing? Like the, his pitch was so odd. And, and it, the way it came off, even on the TV screen, it looked like wiffle wall. But when he was on, you could tell the hitter was like, I don't want to deal with this. It's not a regular, it's not, it's not that it was a knuckleball because it came in hard, but it was like some pitch you just didn't want to deal with. It was just um, obscure. Anything yeah. outside the norm, you don't and want to was, deal with it. it. It knocks you off your routine. Right. So that's my guy, Jeff Nelson, total stud. I think he was a big reason why the Yankees were very good back in the day. Uh, and you should know who he is. If you're a Jeter fan and you don't know who Jeff Nelson is, I got a problem with that. 
So who do you got at 43? 43 is the worst number in the history of pro sports, apparently. I, I, because I when agree. I looked, there up, wasn't much I looked there. up the famous people, and they're just not famous. I, I was like, I don't – I know who some of these guys are because of the – what there is is there's some obscure names. There's a Fozzie Whitaker who played in the NFL very recently. But I guess, like, just to go outside the box, I'll go with Chris Humphreys because he was married to Kim Kardashian. And I know you're trying to put a little okay. bit of a Hollywood spin All on right. the show you know here. That's fair. And there's really nobody. I'm just okay. I'm at a loss. Chris hum so yeah, we'll go with Chris Humphreys and Jeff Nelson show number 43. Um, if I do want to correct something though that you said, and the yeah, only note that I'll say is you hate Loisica. I think Loisica was. I don't know. You know what? I should. You know what? You're right. I shouldn't have. He was arguably the MVP of the entire pitching staff, not just the the bullpen this season. Okay. You know what? I tell you what. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, right. I just. I'll, so, I'll let you ring it. No, I'll, I'll ring I'll tell you why. I'm just. I'm so disgusted with sports right now that That's so fair. anybody like I, you know like like Babe Ruth sucks. Michael Jordan sucks. LeBron sucks. You know what I mean? Um, so you know what I'm talking he about. He might actually be the next closer after Chapman. Yes, you're right. You're right. And, and Chapman, I think, might be done anyway. But yes, I, I, I tell you what I'll do. I'm not going to renege. I'm going to delay that comment because okay. right about July or August, we may revisit. That's fair. If you, as a producer, I'm going to ask you to revisit Jonathan Loisga in July and August. Uh, we'll probably completely forget about it, but maybe no, we won't, we won't because it's show 43. He's number 43, so it's easy to reference it. Okay, I think that this is going to be a thing that we'll have all we, year. We, we so are you have, rooting for Loisga to suck just so you no, can no, 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 have I some content? Me. No, if he sucks, we're in big trouble. I agree with that, anyway. So that's show number 43. Um, I don't want to uh, listen. We have fun with the number thing, but I don't want to turn it into its own podcast. We probably could turn it into a podcast if we wanted to, because um, it's just funny to go through numbers. But we did. We we have learned that in the beginning, I would have told you that like every number, you know, has a complete stud. Uh, but we've noticed now in the last say eight weeks that it's not true. It's uh, you know, I know sometimes for laughs you try to go with a Packer. But you you go you go outside I go, the box. Usually and it, I go with the Packer because I just can't find anybody. There else wasn't much. Me. There was not much, and that a couple of websites didn't have much either. But anyway, uh, okay. Show number forty three here, Jimmy Palomo show. Chris Gucci behind the glass, dude. Uh, first of all, I got a. I know this sounds. I'm going to sound like such a. I got a toothache, man. About four days ago, I guess it must have been Christmas Eve. I mean, uh, New Year's Eve. I felt this little tooth thing, and I said, you know what? Let me go right to the dentist. I didn't have her number. I had to go there, uh, went to the parking lot, went into the building. They were in there, but I didn't want to go in the back. There was no receptionist. And my tooth wasn't. Finally, I, I called them up, left a message on the machine. I sat in the parking lot for 20 minutes. Then I just went home. I live five minutes away. She called me back. She goes, get back here right away. I go in there. She looks at my tooth. It's like, everything's fine. She looked at everything, took an x-ray. There was no issues. But she goes, maybe you got some kind of infection in there. She goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a prescription and wait, why don't you wait two days and then you can see what's going on. I said, okay. So literally the next day, that night, middle of the night, I thought someone shot my, my, my jaw off. I was dying. I literally was scrambling through like my medicine cabinet for like when I got my hernia operation, some kind of opioid. I was like, I'm, I'm going to do heroin now to get out of this uh, because I can't, I was, I wanted to. I, I wanted to take the tooth out myself by hand. You know that feeling you yeah, get? Yeah, like, um, was it Tom Hanks in, in Castaway? Right. You just, exactly right. You just want to, you know, I was looking for the, <laughs> I was looking for the rock. And uh, mm -hmm. finally, I, I fell asleep in like 
just pain. I did find this one pill, but I was afraid to take it because it was like, I knew it was like a serious one. Like I might've been from my hernia and I'm like, I, I don't want to be found dead in the morning. Yeah, There's there's nothing ache. worse than like a toothache or an earache. Oh, it's brutal. Absolute. And, and I, I rarely get them. Uh, you know, who gets toothaches all the time, but uh, so what happened was I started taking the, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, it's like a penicillin kind of thing. Uh, antibiotic. And, uh, I was okay for a day or two. Now today it's hurting again. And I don't know whether I, got, I still got five more days of the uh, you know, antibiotics. I got to call the dentist when I'm off the phone uh, done here. Uh, but man, brutal having a toothache. You hear so that, ladies it. and gentlemen, the dedication here on Jimmy Palumbo to get this it podcast hurts. done it's, for the people. Yes, I'm trying to, but I'm struggling like that. All right, a couple of things. I don't want to spend too much. I'm trying to spend a little less time on sports when it's a dead sports time for me, which it is. Um, not for you, but for me it is. Um, the, the Rutgers bowl game, uh, look, um, I, I I think Rutgers should have not gone to the game. I said that publicly, um, but they went. And a typical Shiano team, the kids played hard. Whatever kids were left, four or five guys that weren't in the game were pretty good players for us. Uh, and they sat out because of NFL aspirations. Even that's pushing it, I think. But they, the kids played hard. They played their hearts out. But the, one of the negatives of the game was that, and I said it earlier, they had no time to prepare for this football game. Uh, I think if Rutgers was playing uh, Grambling, they would have struggled because you don't have time for reps, uh, preparation. So in the beginning of the game, Wake Forest was doing weird things with the snap count. I think we jumped off time off size like nine times. And I think we were the least penalized team or one of the least penalized teams in the big 10. Chiano teams are usually, they don't get penalized. They're disciplined. And on defense, we were jumping off sides. You can see the quarterback was almost messing with them because we, we just didn't have the practice time. And a couple of big plays could have turned that around. We dropped a clear interception in the end zone. He was all alone. The guy he dropped it uh, a couple other penalties here and there. But at the end of the day, Wake Forest is a top 20 team. They were in the mix to be in the top four for a cup of coffee, maybe around week eight, week nine. Uh, they run that kind of offense where it's tough on, on no notice to hop in and play. Uh, it's one of those offenses where a team like Alabama would, would shut down if they had a full week and, 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 you know, they had preparation um, and they just gradually pulled away one of the things I didn't really like about the game was the quarterback situation. They were rotating their quarterbacks in and out, um, but by, by individual play. So Vedral would come in, throw a pass, come out of the game. Wimsat would come in, throw a pass, come out of the game. I, and I, I, there was no rhythm. And to yeah, me, hopefully these, there's not a lot of that next year. Yeah, one or the other. I will tell you though, I'll be honest with you to me. Um, it was a, it was an advertisement for any quarterback worth his soul who's going to enter the portal like this week. It's like, Hey, if I go to Rutgers, I can play right away. I thought Vedral looked lousy. I thought Wimsat looked lousy. He, he, he didn't, he, he looked like he looked, you know what he looked? He looked like a freshman who, I don't know. Uh, you know, like if, if you, you give me a third year quarterback coming in from one of those like San Jose state schools that comes in, he's going to play. I think it's um, asking a lot. I think it's asking a lot of Wimsett in this game to even do anything. But and the, plus, they didn't good. give him a bunch of series till the very end. Yes, uh, listen, I know Wimsett was up against it. So was the whole team. But I, I don't think it was good. Like his stock didn't go up. I'll leave it at that. 
And uh, so it just it annoyed me. Uh, and also, you know what it seems to? Obviously, the Rutgers players cared because they got in the last minute. But, like, these bowl games, there's, there's a lot of them. And I think the fans care because they get to watch a game during the holidays. I don't think the players do. And uh, there's no way, if I was a dad of a kid who had a chance to go in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, and you're playing a bowl game on December 28th or or uh, not for the national championship, sit the game out. Honestly, even a national championship, I might not be playing in it. Right. If you, were, you get a ring, you know, you might not get the experience, but I am not throwing that opportunity away. There's a 0% chance. And I, I think that there's you, some people that would be surprised. So you're saying, you're saying it's okay to sit. I'm saying anybody that has any brains that's in your corner will advise you to sit. Whether the player decides right. to sit or not is another story. Advising somebody that you care about, you have to advise them to sit. Period. Yeah, the end of story. I, I, and I think I think what's going to happen now, because the NFL is just a whore. They don't care. I think you're going to see players like week eight. Say you're, you're, you're Burroughs or you're a clear you're going in the top five. There's millions of dollars at stake. You've already, what you did in your life has led you where every scout has you, this one or two quarterback being drafted. Why are you playing against Wake Forest well, on look November at, Look 10th? at Parsons. Parsons sat out his senior year. It was obviously COVID-related. He would but, never, I don't think he would have sat out, but I think there's a precedent for that. But now. understanding the fact that, when you see a guy that does it and it shows the NFL now, look, um, these guys could sit out a year and still come in and be fine. Yeah. And now with these trainers and these Nike it's kind better. of camps it's you actually can go better. to. There's less wear and tear. You get you get very uh direct and specific to be training. You, you've been playing you've been playing ball since you're five. So it's a seventeen year amateur career. I know that we don't want to talk too much about sports, but we brought up the conversation earlier today no. on the Daily Show about Aaron Rodgers. Should he need, should the Packers rest their starters next week because they have the one seed locked up and then a bye? So it's like now I don't know. I don't think that matters for Rodgers. I don't think he needs to play. I would. I, I don't know. I know the Giants. One of the examples: the Giants when they played the, the Patriots, they played the game to win because they were seventeen and zero and eight, whatever that was. Um, and I, I get that to an extent, but um, sixteen and zero. I mean, uh, fifteen and zero at the time. Excuse me. Um, and they finished 18 and one. God bless America. But the, I don't know. I think that's a, I think that's a decision that the coach has to have with Aaron Rodgers. Hey man, here's what we're going to do. You're going to practice all week heavy. We're going to give this kid, the second string, a kid a chance. We're going to we'll split reps. You know, we're going to let, we're going to let you play the first quarter. Yeah, there's um, no, exactly. You don't, it's not like, got, whatever it is, it can't be just, here's what I don't think it can be. Aaron Rodgers, you won't see Aaron Rodgers to the first game of the round, first playoff game. I mean, I'm I okay think, with that, personally. I watched Aaron Rodgers I, I, not practice for two years now. He hasn't he hasn't gone to the mini camp in two years, and then he comes in. And I, he's about I think to win his I second think two weeks MVP. is too long. I think he's got to get some kind of reps in. But the thing um, is, he just won't play on Sunday. He's going to practice every day. It's not like he's injured. I don't know, but I'm on the fence about. I also, yeah, maybe uh, that, that's listen. That's a decision. That's where the GM, the coach, the quarterback, they got to sit, and it can't be like. Aaron, it can't be one person saying you ain't playing. It's got to be, hey, let's think about this. And yeah. maybe there's some kind of compromise they can make within that. I agree with you, though. Some of these, sadly, it's what it's become because the Packers are, they got nothing to play for. And, uh, you know, that's it. Anyway, the NFL, I'll be brief on this. The, the Giants, okay. Well, I'm 56 years old. And um, 
I don't recall the Giants from 63 to 78 when they were considered really awful. I was a little too young. This, what's going on with the Giants right now, I've never seen um, on any NFL team in the last 30 years. Uh, this is complete ineptitude. Uh, you, could, you, could layer, you could layer COVID on top of it. Some guys were out. I get all that. This is different. This is, and I tell you what, there's really one stat. It's all you got to know. First of all, they were down by 7, 30, 15 seconds into the game. Fumble, the guy scoring the next play. They were down by 14, I think, with seven minutes to go in the first quarter. Okay? In the history of the NFL, can you recall a team being down by two scores in the first quarter? And the other team only played one quarterback. And he only had 11 pass attempts. That, to me, is saying that you just want this game to be over. And then I got to listen to Joe Judge on his 12-minute rant. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, to Lying, me, to me, by the way. Lying. To me, to me, that's the way of his. He freaked out without consulting his agent and, and wife. And now he, I think he will be fired now because of that. That looked like a guy out of control. Um, I don't care. And if your quarterback isn't good enough to throw more than 11 passes when you're down it's uh, 20 to 3. And by the way, the Bears stink. The Bears stink, and I'll tell you why. It took them it, – the, 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 oh, yeah. the final score – if the Packers were playing full tilt, they would have won that game 72 to nothing. <laughs> I mean that. The Bears are so bad that they actually limped like it was like a slow death, and they were playing hard. It was awful. The Giants stink beyond belief. You say limped. You're talking about how the Cowboys are limping into the playoffs right now? Oh, that's, that's another, another story. Listen, the Cowboys – Listen, I know there was weird plays at the end. Again, the I know, Cowboys, I'm, just, uh, I'm just starting to. Uh, I'll get into the stinks list in a second. You know, but the Giants, this is really hull damage beyond belief. Everyone, uh, Joe Judge can't coach the team anymore, as far as I'm concerned. And I think some, I think something may happen this week. That's how bad Sunday was. Um, but there's one more week. Maybe you just wait. Uh, probably that's a smart move. Honestly, Giants, maybe not though, because there's right now they they just changed the rule where you're allowed to interview coaches now. So you're allowed you, to interview, you, so they they could lose a potential candidate. We don't have a GM, so maybe they, yeah, I guess it could, right. because we have no. We not only don't have a pilot, we don't have a co-pilot, we don't have stewardesses. Oh, so uh, the Giants uh, are the Mets, but yeah. you see what the Mets did this offseason so okay, far. So the, the Giants are worse, way worse than the Mets. This is the worst, uh, 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 worst pro. I've never seen anything like this, and I'm a Giant fan. They're brutal. Now, I think that I'll let it go. I'll let yeah, it go. We'll let it go. That. But there's some there's some arguments to be made for Detroit, Cleveland, oh, dude, other no. cities, but dude, I'm telling you right now, Detroit's better than the Giants. No, they, I they, know, I know, I know. But in history, you're saying in the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah, I, I am. And I, I mean, the, the, the Lions all, have gone 0 and 16. That's bad. But not, not, not what about statistically? Dude, we don't score. We don't score ever. It's it's awful. Everyone's got to go. It's historically lousy. Sorry, you got to go. Uh, and and what, what disgusts me is it's no baseball season. The Knicks stink. They got a little COVID issues, which everybody has. But even that, it's confusion. Now Kemba Walker's knee hurts. It's like, oh, my God. We went from being this really fun team. We all had fun with it last year. We all knew they weren't awesome. But it was like fun. It was like, it was like a restaurant that was closed for 20 years. It's open again. 
and you go in there and yep. get the cheeseburger that you love and the French fries, and then it's open for four days and it closes. That's exactly it's one of those things that I'm that I wish I was wrong about, but I I did predict this coming. But I do wish I was no, wrong. No, you did. Wait a minute, time out. You we, you predicted the forty one wins would be. You did not predict they would stink. Um, I didn't think that they would be this bad, but I did. Yeah, I well, did fully expect. I said I don't know that the Knicks are a guaranteed playoff team, and I have a bet with somebody oh, they, about it, so I know that for a fact. Yeah, but they're 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 a bad basketball team. Right? Yeah, I just but they're, they're not, not making the win. playoffs in the East is to me bad. I think the under forty one is a lock. Oh, what under Jimmy? Yeah, they're, they're, they're awful. They're awful not going to win. They're not going to anyway. And I don't know. You know, there's 41. a Thibodeau issue with the players he has. It's a mess. Uh, my Rutgers basketball. Look, you know, they, they have a lot of losses already. Now they start the Big Ten schedule. Um, Over. They, they lost too many games. They don't look that good. They played Maine the other day, and Maine looked like Linden. And even though we won by 16, it was a 10-point game the whole time. We never pulled away by 25. Now we played Central, Southwest, Connecticut, North uh, the other day, and we won by, uh, you know, uh, 107 points. That's how you have to beat those lousy teams, but I don't think there's anything going on there either. I don't think we're going to get smoked in the Big Ten play. So that pisses me off. So they, they, there's nothing. My whole basketball thing, all I wanted was average, make the playoffs. And we got nothing. And game. honestly, and honestly, I, I hate to break it to you, but the latest news on the on the lockout is that there is no meeting set. They're saying there's no end in sight. So I, we might I, not even get baseball. You know what? I'm not, I can't handle that. I'll go through my stinks list in the NFL real quick. Um, I got uh, here we go, uh, AFC East. I got the Bills good, Patriots good, Dolphins average, Jets stink, Bengals good, Ravens, Steelers and Browns all stink. Uh, I got the Tennessee Titans as very good, eleven and five is eleven and five. Um, I got the Colts as good, disappointed they lost. I was uh, kind of rooting for them. Uh, the Texans stink. I got the Jaguars in the double stink category which the Giants, uh, the Giants were in the double stinks category. More on that. Uh, I got the Chiefs back down to good. Sorry. Uh, I got Chargers as average, upgraded to average. I got the Raiders as average. The Broncos stink. Um, I got the Dallas Cowboys um, downgraded to just good. Um, again, they had one big game in there, but they didn't play. I didn't think they played well against the Giants, and I thought – even though the game was close yesterday, they were down the whole game. Um, they're downgraded to good. Eagles are average. The Redskins, uh, I got them as stink. I got the Giants now, new category. And we may not see this category for a while. Triple stink. They get three S's next to their name. Um, their triple stink is that they're the worst football team I've ever seen in my life. Um, I got Green Bay Packers at very good. Have to stay the way. That's just the way they're. They're, they they could be headed well, towards great. For you to, uh, yeah, I'm waiting for you to create the new category. I didn't give them a great right? yet. I think because there may not ever be a great. Um, we'll see. As, as if we'll you see. win the Super Bowl, you got to be great. Yes, the final thing, I guess the crown is that you're great. Um, I got the Vikings, Bears, Lions, Stink. Very interesting. I got the Packers being very good, but man, that whole division stinks. And the Bears stink. They, they, they actually barely beat the Giants, and the Giants threw the ball 11 times. It's embarrassing. Um, I got the Buccaneers. I, I'm going to keep them at very good, but I got a question mark next to it because the Jets stink. 
And the Buccaneers, you know, really the Jets should have won the game. They had the Buccaneers are struggling right now right. in a lot of but, phases of football. So, but, but 12 and four, I couldn't reduce to very good, but they are in danger of being reduced to good. But again, and the reason why that vision stinks Saints, Falcons, Panthers all stink. Now, the NFC West, I did something unique here Seahawks and 49ers stink. Um, uh, but, um, I have the Rams and Cardinals as very good. Um, listen, 12 and 4, 11 and 5. Cardinals beat the hell out of the Cowboys, if you ask me. I got I had to give them the very good. And it's so odd. The NFC is loaded with stink, but they're also loaded with very good. So is the competition they play lousy and in the playoffs they'll get bounced? Or the Packers have beaten like four of your very goods this year. Right. So, so yeah, they're great. They're, they're not great. I can't give them to them on that yet. Um, Who's the MVP this year? Real quick. Is MVP? there even a debate? No, no. It's got to be Rodgers, of course. Um, and uh, I don't know how many sacks uh, the number 11 on the Cowboys had yesterday, but he seemed to have a, a decent game. But um, I don't think he had any sacks. So, uh, again, I'm trying to think. Um, he didn't. He didn't. But he had I some. Uh, he put some pressure on, so he didn't play that bad. But he didn't, he's not, you know, uh, are we done with the LT talk? Anyway, uh, so that's it. That's my stink list. Cowboys got some work to do, but I still think they're going to be okay in the playoffs, um, even though they got some receivers hurt. So that's that. You know, myself and Gooch are both getting a little older. One of the first things to go is your vision. Thank goodness for our hookup over at Absolute Eyewear in Woodbridge, New Jersey, right on Main Street next to the train station. They have glasses for all ages, all budgets. They have safety glasses, sports glasses. They are a full-service powerhouse offering eye exams and even free lenses for the kids. They work with BCBS, AAA, AARP, giving massive discounts. They're open five days a week, closed on Wednesdays and Sundays. Call 732-326-3937 to get your first pair of Ray-Ban, Burberry, Coach, Polo, you name it. They got it. Go see Craig and Johnine right now. Let's talk about New Year's Eve. Um, uh, look, uh, I, I didn't do anything. I was, you know, uh, I, I was with my daughter for a little bit and then I was home by eight o'clock and I can't, that show rock and Eve, uh, you know what it is? I, I, I became my father. Um, uh, I I'm old now cause I didn't know any of the bands, the acts, the, 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 the sideline reporters, whatever they call them. I didn't know. I didn't, who are these people? And I realized that it's just it, that whole thing has passed me by. And I remember years ago, my father being aggravated at these TV shows. I'm to be honest, ended. though, it's even passed me by. And it's partially because I just simply don't care. And I yeah. don't find it entertaining. And I haven't no. for a while. Yeah, me neither. But it's, it's just awful. And then even the CNN show, I was I was going around the dials there. What's his name was bombed. And uh, well, you can't be drunk on the air. What are you? What are we at? Leggett's and Manasquan? You got to be kidding me. And that he was, was like going on his political rant. So stupid. Uh, and I'm not being in political. It's like, you want to go on a rant? Fine. Don't be drunk. Cause you're no matter what you say, you're a jerk. Um, anyway, I just, all the whole COVID thing with the whole, the can't New Year's Eve was a mess. Shut the whole thing down. Yeah, and you Eve, should, I'll, I'll end up um, going off on a tangent myself. So I just won't right. even um, talk about it because the whole thing is. Nauseating. I'm going to keep, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know where you're gonna go. That's not the point. The point is that show just passed, passed me by. Um, the uh, the other thing is I'm gonna keep my Christmas stuff up another week. Inside, my daughter was uh, had COVID, so she uh, 
I want her to enjoy it a little more when she's a hundred percent. And, um, so I'll keep it up a little bit longer. Um, but you know, it is kind of weird. I see people tear trees outside and everything. So I could change my mind on that by next week. Uh, on other news, I How did much watch you weigh in now. How much you weigh in now? I'm not going to let you. Uh, escape. I got, okay. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. I weigh, I had a rough week. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and maybe I did have to wait to the new year to get inspired. I came in at 216.2. So now I started this really, what, eight weeks ago, and I'm horrible, okay? I started out at 218.4, which is, again, Bone Crusher Smith territory. Then I went to 215, then to 217.8, then to 215, down to 213, Dow Strawberry 39 show. Then it's been 216. Then I got down to 212. So if you bought Jimmy Palumbo stock on episode 39, now is the time to sell because – you know, you made a little well, bit of money. Yeah, and I went down to 212, right? <laughs> then I went up last week was 217, bro. I don't think we mentioned it on here. We just forgot. That's yeah, okay. no, we forgot. We but forgot. today, I, 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 you might have forgot because it was 217. Well, listen, January 3rd, I came in today uh, at 216.2, which is Fat Boy Slim. But I, I'm now kind of on a regimented That's what the program. Kids say, Jimmy, you're slim thick. I'm, uh, uh, I got, I'm on a little bit of a program here. I know what I got to do. I'm taking it a little more seriously now. This COVID thing going to Atlanta, I got thrown. I got thrown by, you know, I wasn't in my game. But still, eight weeks, it's embarrassing. I lost a pound in eight weeks. That's not really losing weight. I could probably pee that and lose weight at this point. So that's horrible. Um, on to other news. Uh, the so all mad. No, you did nothing. Okay. Yes. I, I, I listen. No, no. We're, I'm going to, you know, You're, what? Not lose a pound. You're not allowed to say I lost a pound in eight weeks. Uh, that uh, means no. you, you did nothing. Okay. Bottom line is since the start of this, I did not gain weight. I lost weight. End of story. Um, oh. That's how we're going to go with right now. That's you sound coach like, speak. You sound like that's Dave coach sounded, speak. I sound, sound like, like Joe Dave Judge. sounded after losing to the Bucks week one. I sound like Joe Judge now. Um, but bottom line is I started this. I've lost weight since the start of this. Okay. That's actually better. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, now I'll you know, tell you what, I'm, what pressure did I just put myself on for next Monday? <laughs> There's like better. the world. The, this is like Aaron Rodgers. Me between now and Monday is like Aaron Rodgers in the NFC championship game. Enormous pressure. Enormous. Every that's me. That's I am the Aaron Rodgers of weight loss this week. I have to do, I have to show you something. Otherwise I, I need to see it. it. I need to see it. Ah, uh, you will see it. I promise you. I watched the All Madden show, thought it was awesome. Now, I'm in the generation of where John Madden was like just so much better than everybody else, but I learned a ton of things. Um, one of the funny things was that when he was coaching the Raiders, his wife was managing a bar. I, I think that was just, I laughed out just loud. Every little tidbit of information you find out about John Madden, you like and, him more and more. And you There's know what? nothing was, bad about him. He was genuine. Um, he also was uh, like, you know, I didn't. I forgot the light beer from Miller, the tough acting, ten acting, how Bro, big he everything. Was. He, he was everything a, he, in he, my, he was my entire childhood, gym. and not only my childhood, but every single generation's childhood experienced John Madden. When you were a kid, John Madden was probably and, coaching. And you know what? It sounds like he, he he was afraid to fly, and it wasn't like he was a jerk. Or if he said, "Hey guys, I'm not doing it," so and then you got to remember, back in the day, he got a little lucky. I think, uh, in terms of this non-flying thing, and see if you agree with me on this. When he started to really not fly anymore, what teams were really good? 
Eagles were good. The Giants were good. Oh, yeah, the, of course. The, of course. The, 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 Matic, uh, the Redskins great, were good. Um, he didn't go to up to Boston. They weren't any good during his initial heyday. So he was able to get away with going to Pittsburgh, which is short. You know, he did probably the 49ers were the biggest uh, trip. The Ram, the, there was no team in L.A. He didn't have to go there. And probably the Cowboys were another long trip he had to make. Anyway, he got a little lucky there. A lot of his trips were on the East Coast. And, and that's clearly why the Giants were good and Madden didn't want to fly. You could tell that's why the Giants were on that. Yeah, I guess Green Bay would have been a, a decent trip too. Any Florida team, maybe Marino. Yeah. You know, like there was, he was a moving Chicago around. But he had a full week. He had a full but week. A, another thing I didn't realize was how the coaches totally let him come to practice. And they actually ran stuff by him because he was a coach, knowing that he wouldn't reveal that to anybody. Today, with t- with Twitter, some jerk-off would go to practice and be like, Aaron Rodgers is wearing a boot. He can't move. Like, you know, now Madden was like, he he was he approached it as a coach. Um, I, I was just blown away. I also didn't realize bef- that he had like a whole little career before Summerall. He had been with a bunch of guys. He was just a fill-in guy. They weren't really ready for him. And then he started to – he was actually teaching a course about uh, uh, football watching. That's unbelievable. And he was one of the things he was always big on, which I didn't know. I knew it happened afterwards, but he was always big on, no, you can teach a woman about football. The reason why they don't know it is because no one ever explained it to him. But if I explain it to him, 11 guys on the team, all this different stuff, they, they, they can. And you know what? My mother started watching the Giants really in 81 with Lawrence Taylor. I was a 16-year-old kid. We had season tickets. LT's my favorite player ever. I think he's the best NFL player of all time, offense and defense. And um, I can make that argument anyway. And uh, you'll lose, the, but no, no way, no way, no way. Um, there's no one close to the next level. That's what I go by. So what my mother was able to watch football and John Madden would be able to explain, like he explained stuff and his use of that tele telestrator at the time was all new technology and even the yellow line thing, he was like leaving in there all the time. Like, that's awesome. Like, he was such a big part of the way we watch TV today. And also a clear sign of how much these guys stink now. Because they, they think, oh, you got to be like Madden. So you got to be funny and you got to talk. No, you Madden can't try had to it. mimic what Madden Can't did. do it. <clears throat> uh, it's also a different place in time. There's more information out there now. Um, you know, and... Uh, but Madden was just wonderful. And it sounds like he was a good dude. I love his, his wife was so funny on the show. You could tell she was like, remember they asked her, you know, what did you give up with his career? She stared at the camera a long time. And mm-hmm. that to me, she was like, I think she was almost like to me again, I, I don't know the woman. I think she was like, are you fucking kidding me? He was never around. I had two boys that were playing football, he could barely go to any of their games, you know, and, and, and I was, she was like, I was running the ship and he came in every once in a while. Uh, But then she said, well, we did that. We did have fun. I guess that's what the money and fame brought. Another thing is pretty cool. Both of his kids went to Ivy league school. So you think John Madden is like Hurley Burley guy, blah, blah, blah. Both of his kids went to Ivy league schools and played football and supposedly, from what I've read, they were like they were pretty good at the Ivy League level. Now, whether they got in because of Madden, who knows? But bottom line is, if I was a dad and I had two kids and they both went to Ivy League schools, uh, I did something right. 
either I married the right person. Yeah, or, or just you were just you did your career right, and you know, right. I mean, it's just a, slice it. I'm sure there's it just was a great. It's a great show. I, I I gotta be honest with you, it was a pain in the ass to find it. Um, I had to. I actually watched it on an app called Tubi. I had to sign up for something. I ended up catching it there, but uh, it's also I think the first Fox, Fox Sports um, documentary they ever did. Well done. Sadly, you know, you're looking at him. He doesn't look, he looks, he looks definitely old in it. Speaks a little slower. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's 85. And it's sad to know that, you know, three or four days after it started airing, he passed away suddenly. So I guess he had a heart attack. Yeah. And unfortunately that. people die in threes and we got with yeah. Dan Reeves. Yeah. Dan Reeves. And of course we got Betty White, um, which I'll get to in a second, but you know what? I'll get to it now. So John Madden, all Madden show, catch it. It's worth it. It's really good. Um, he just seems like a cool dude, man. No doubt about that. Um, rest in peace, Betty White. Now, I met Betty White. My roommate, Henry Pollock II, in Los Angeles, um, which is how Bing Crosby pronounced Los Angeles. Uh, the uh, uh, I met Betty. He was friends with her because he played, um, he played poker with a group of people. Uh, that once even included Alan Ludden, who was married to Betty White. Um, it was called the Pico Poker Club. And what they did was, my roommate Henry was by far the least amount of worth money there. But he, at the time, he was like on TV shows and stuff, so he was doing all right. Uh, but he played there with them for like 25 years. They only played penny, uh, nickel, uh, dime, quarter uh, poker. But everybody was a really good poker player. And I think it's so great. Now you're about these house parties where people are playing poker and a kid lost four grand, like at a Colonia party. What are you nuts? I think it's so much cooler with today's age where you can go online and gamble anything you want. And we'll do, someday we'll do a whole gambling show. But I think it's great that if, if you come back and if you won $6 and 75 cents, when it's penny, penny Annie's, you did well, you know what I mean? You want a lot of hands. Um, so anyway, there, there was a trophy called the Pico Poker Club that they did at the end of the year. And whoever did the best, I forget, whatever the hell they did, they kept records of who won and stuff like that. Um, and the best thing is they, 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 I think they gave the money back at the end of the night because they needed to change for the following week. Uh, I think they played on Wednesday nights, if I wasn't mistaken. But he left. He had the Pico Poker Club trophy. And he left it at home. And it was like a big deal of them. It had this old shitty trophy. So he calls me up. He says, hey, you got to come. We're at Bob Stewart's house. Now, let me tell you who Bob Stewart is, okay? Bob Stewart is a game show producer. Chris, I'm going uh, to ask you some questions about some game shows. See if you know which ones they are. Ready? These are ones that he invented. You ready for this? You ever heard of a show called Price is Right? He created that. I did. Did you ever hear of a show called Password? I did. He created that. So you know what's funny? I was thinking like that people could just still see me. So I wasn't even going to answer. I was going to nod. So I'll answer. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever heard of a show called To Tell the Truth? That was back in the day. Mm. Okay. That was a big one in the 50s and 60s. Anyway, this guy was a game show legend in the Hall of Fame, Emmys. I mean, all you got to do is say the price is right. Right. That's literally Uh, it. And also, no, he's got one other big one where he made more money on. Because he worked for a company when he, the one he was all his ten thousand dollar pyramid still on today, uh, and Henry Pollock, my roommate, was on that show. So as was Betty White. Turns out Betty White loved games, 
and puzzles, and she was into that. And if you watch on the uh, Game Show Network, Betty White was good at all of them, as was my roommate. So I had to go to this guy's house, and th at this point he was older, in his 80s, and he lived uh, in a killer condo. You know, he he, he was worth uh, a billion dollars, but he, he lived in a... And I had to bring these trophies. It was a sealed, uh, gated community. I had to go in. I had to leave my name there. And so I go in there, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to meet Betty White, this guy, Bob Stewart, and a couple other big-time producers. It's going to be cool. I walked in. They were so into the game. It was like just nickels and dimes on the table. I walked in. I'm like, hey, everybody. And Henry's like, oh, this is my roommate, James. He called me James. And I was like, hey, you guys. I figured, like, I'm Henry's roommate for five years. I'm going to be treated with love. You know what it was? I learned a lesson. You don't fuck with people in the middle of a poker game. It doesn't work. I could have you know, ate fruit and blew fruit out of my ass and nobody would have said a word. Then they were like, you want a beer? And I grabbed it. They had a beer. And then I, they gave me like Christmas cookies. And I stood there. No one talked to me. Betty White said hello. She was sitting there with a little drink. She liked to have a cocktail or two for sure. And I was like, I, I, I realized like, I'm going to hang out of here for a little bit. And then about five minutes in, I sucked down a beer. I threw this lousy cookie, by the way. So whoever made the cookies, it was shit. And I was like, I was saying to myself, you know what? I, I'm going to be the jerk off. It's always better when you leave. You know what I mean? I was like, hey, guys, I got to run. <laughs> I like yeah, yeah. You don't, you didn't want to. Uh, so you big time them. I big timed them. But uh my my roommate uh, Henry raved about Betty, how sweet she was. So much so that he she made a uh, she wrote a book, a biography years ago, and he had it. She signed it for him, and I read it. I was blown away. Read all the read some of the Betty White biographies. They're worth it. It's it's she's awesome. She lived to be ninety nine. Just fell short. Um, a great comedic talent. She was on TV at the World's Fair in thirty nine. It wasn't called television. So think about this. She was on TV. It wasn't called TV. That so it, yeah, that's, that's a top of the mic thing. She also has the most shows on radio and TV called the Betty White Show. In other words, nobody has their name like the Jimmy Palumbo Show. She's eight. That's like that's hard to do. Eight different programs. She also did a Today Show in the very beginning of early television days in the fifties. She had to be on the air for five and a half hours from like 6 a.m. to 11. Think about that. We could barely do an hour here every day. Yeah, I'm, they have a, incredible. I'm looking at the time right now. We're at like 43 minutes. I'm like, oh, how much more has Jimmy got? I'm we're, wondering. We're, we're, this might be a long show, but that's okay. Yeah, I already knew that. Um, uh, but anyway, R.A.P. Betty White. Um, so anyway, uh, I mean, I'm sure um, it gave you a, uh, that Cleveland show. Gave you a reason to watch uh, Valerie Bertinelli hit three-pointers all day long. Still yeah. thinks she's hot. <laughs> is it me or is she just always hot? I mean, I mean it's she's not a veteran. just you. It's not just I mean, you, but you're. it's a little... Like, if you're playing against Valerie Bertinelli and she has a good line and she has time to throw, she's going to pick you apart. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah of I course. Mean, Against, you know, against a really good team, she can get flushed out of the pocket. You can cause some damage. But if she's like, you know, like the Buccaneers, like Brady has a, a seven seconds on every play to throw, Valerie Bernal is going to light you up. She's a feisty veteran. I think she's hot as hell. Um, and uh, so I used to watch that show just for that. Betty White, there's outtakes. Betty White rocks. Which leads me to, you know, enough with sports. I know we got, we talk way too much about sports, but I didn't mean to. 
but I guess I had to because, you know, there was Rutgers bowl games and stuff. So I know some of my fans that don't like me to talk about sports. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, that's the way it goes. So I am. Um, I wanted to talk about music. I started thinking about some stuff. I know last week I talked a little bit about Mr. Crosby. Um, you know, music is such a, a weird thing. I started thinking about like how I started to like music when, and I'm guessing I was probably 12 or 13. Um, and my, I had an older brother. That's a huge influence. And my parents got him for Christmas, a Lloyd's stereo. One of those one units where on top was the, was the, uh, 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 the turntable and an eight track and a radio. And my brother had back, my first experience with music was eight tracks and albums. And my brother had like, he was five years older than me. So I guess this was like 78, 77, I was 12 or 13. Um, and he, he had like Led Zeppelin album, the stairway to heaven album. And, uh, I got influenced like that immediately started, but I was into all their hit songs, not the B side Zeppelins. And I remember like seventh or sixth or seventh grade doing a book report on Led Zeppelin and Jimmy Page and all that stuff. And I started listening to Zeppelin. I was really digging Zeppelin. They were my first, I, I could say I, they were the first band I started listening to. What was your first band that you started listening to? You Ooh, I see. Like, I wouldn't even say it's like a band. With me, or what kind of different different uh, time? Yes, yeah, very different. What, what, but, but what very, was the very first similar. style of music that you remember listening to? Um, I mean, like the first style of music you could, I guess, you could chalk it up to like what my parents were listening to, and it kind of lends to what you were talking about with Bing Crosby, like Frank Sinatra. Like that's what well, you I'm grew up about with. Though, but with me was, personally, yeah, outside of what I just heard, In what that, did I like? I mean, like. You're Hard gonna rock, laugh. heavy metal. Definitely neither of those disco. two when I was a kid. I liked I liked like Tupac and Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> I was into rap. Not, My brother no. was uh like you ever hear of Stretch Armstrong and Bobito? There was like underground hip hop scene. I, I, I've learned about that and through documentaries. It's just this is the one thing I, where I think that you would have no clue about. No clue. Now I do know the, the influence of these bands now because I I like I like music documentaries, but um, no, I, we didn't even. I, Tupac when Tupac died, I didn't even know who they were talking about. Um, as a matter of fact, I I'm so bad, and I'll probably catch heat for this. And I'd love to. I wish I can get an argument. When when Kurt Cobain died and everybody like stopped, I was like, all right. Guy, Nir guy in Nirvana died. A band they have, like it was just like it's a popular band. Who guy who died? Now you read, you watch documentaries, and he was like, you know, uh, yeah. No, Nirvana too. was Nirvana was on their way to being one of the biggest bands ever. And it right. just to, in and, case in point, Dave Grohl was, was in Nirvana, and now he's the lead singer of Foo Fighters. So just to give you an idea, I, I'm not, talent. I'm not. What I'm telling you is, at yeah. the time, okay, I understand their significance. Uh, in the but I, I get what you're saying. I at was like, time, to me, it was like I, I was, I wasn't listening to this music. Put it this way: at the time, I was, I guess, in like seventh. I was in middle school, so if you weren't listening to rap, you were listening to that, and if you weren't listening to rap and you were listening to that, you were probably on the other side of what I was doing. You get what I'm saying? Like it was a completely different. I was playing sports and listening to rap, and if well, you were skateboarding and you know, like that yeah, time growing it. It up, was, very, very different. Culturally, and, now they're kind of blended together. You could do both. Yes, I mean, I, I just that time. You know, what I remember about grunge rock was. This is going to sound sexist, but I don't care. Grunge rock. When you went into a place that was like a grunge rock bar, 
it meant that the girls were dressed up like they're in their pajamas. Uh, nobody had like skin type blue jeans or a tight. It was like flannel shirts. Uh, 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 everybody baggy flannel. Um, uh, it was and, like it was like almost the the nineties version of the hippie scene. Right. It's almost like you know, <laughs> especially there were some girls that were doing the grunge thing. I'm like, wow, if this girl. If this girl had regular clothes on, she'd be scoring 25 points a game. But right now she's got like, I got her at 11 points with 405 left. I'm only down by six. But um, the, uh, uh, yeah, that whole grunt. But again, I'm older. I missed that whole thing. And plus I had an older brother. So musically, I was five years older than I, than my age. Because my brother was older. I think that's the same with me as well. When I, when I, start to think about the music that I was listening to at the young age that I was, I couldn't imagine. I have nieces and nephews the, that age. And I was, I was listening to like, just to be completely honest about it, like terrible lyrics when I was eight, right. Yeah. Nine well, years old. Like, yeah, when I say terrible. They started to fight that. They went to Congress saying what? They, yeah. They it was like, the, they, uh, they didn't win the fight clearly. Uh, yeah. Well, they put the uh, labels on the albums and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I just that, missed all fair, of that. Though. I missed the whole rap thing. I missed that whole thing. Um, I just remember, and then my brother, of course, got um, another th cool thing. My brother got a new stereo system, the techniques with the separate turntable and all that stuff. And he got speakers that seem so funny now. They were like three and a half feet tall. He literally had no room in his bedroom. And the funny thing was he had them angled. So he built like a little wooden thing. So there was a little angle in the speaker. That was like something you had to do. And the best part was... He, he would crank up the music, but only when my parents were, were, weren't home. Like my mother and father, that would have been oh, shot shit down. right down. Right. So, but now I wasn't allowed to use the turntable because he had to use that little, that little dust thing on the, on the albums all the way around. He was like, did you ever get I'm, your ass kicked for messing oh. with the, uh but then, because what happened was my brother took a, a turn musically. Uh, he was always a rock and roller, but he's, he got into Southern rock and that was it for me. Uh, and the, and the, the the two albums that influenced me initially with Southern Rock, and I consider myself a Southern Rock aficionado. There's not too much that I don't know uh, about the whole thing. Uh, the Outlaws were a band, you know, Greengrass and High Tides. Maybe you know that song. It's on classic rock sometimes. Um, they were just their first album. Even now, if I put it in, I don't have to. You don't need a remote. There's no skip button. You just put it up and you watch it all the way through. I got into them. Then I got into the Allman Brothers. But I got into like the Brother and Sisters album, which meant Ramble Man, Jessica, kind of the pop hits. Songs that I, I'll, I'll skip now on the radio. I don't need to hear those songs anymore. Uh, but that led to me becoming a huge Allman Brothers fan. Huge. It's my favorite band by far. But I also got into Molly Hatchet. And Hatchet was like the hard driving. That was my answer to ACDC. Like, I still think Hatchet's a better band than ACDC, their first three albums. I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with that. Because they were more hard rock in the Southern. Uh, and they were like, you know, hello, and that kind of just got and you it's fired just like up. That sound that it's almost like you get like a cult following with that sound, but right. you, won't ever, you won't ever get the backing to go big, big. No, like no, Hatchet. No, Hatchet was like, people that are into Hatchet, they give you like a wink, like Hatchet, bro. You know, um, and then of course, you know, listen, I got into the Almonds and um, which leads me to, you know, uh, I, I didn't get into Skinner. I, I didn't get, I, I'm, I'm a Skinner fan. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't get into them. till like I got into Marshall Tucker uh, first more, uh, mostly they're their greatest hits with Tucker. And then I started getting into Skinner for sure. Um, and uh, 
So those are my bands, you know, the Almonds, Outlaws. That's usually what uh, happens Hatchet. with a lot of bands. When you start to get to know them, like you come for one thing and you stay for the others. Right. Like the, I, the, the hit song will get you to the album. But then once you get to the album, you realize, oh, shit. Right. And, and the people that just listen to the hit songs, they're just not into it. But I bought yeah. in. And then, of course, the, I realized in my, with my brother's influence, he used to explain to me, like, how much really better the Almond Brothers were than all of these bands and how they came into existence because of the Allman brothers. I didn't, I was a kid. And then of course I started getting into it and getting bootlegs. And then I became like a site. I mean, I, I love B side. Now I'm out of control. I have, I have bad, uh, uh, you know, CDs of the Allman brothers recorded like on a guy's, you know, micro cassette and stuff. It's like, I just want to hear it. I'm a huge fan of Dwayne Allman because the thing about Dwayne Allman is he died at 23 but his influence, number one, he created the Allman Brothers Band. He is the founder of the band, even though they were called the Allman Brothers. Greg was an add-on very early. He knew his brother could sing. And Greg, to me, has the best blues voice of all time. But this guy also worked down in Muscle Shoals for Aretha Franklin and, and uh, uh, tons of other bands. And he was some guy, they literally were like, hey, there's some, some guy with long hair outside with his guitar. He would just show up there because he was broke. And his band was up in Macon. How did he die? Motorcycle accident. He was bringing a, they say, driving through Macon, Dwayne Allman had one of those big, big motorcycles. And he was always ripping through town fast. And um, at the time, they were coming off the road. They were probably in the heaviest drug use the whole band was in at the time. And he was bringing a birthday gift to uh, Dickie Betts and his wife, his wife. And he came around. I actually was at the site, which is pathetic, but they have a really cool museum museum down in Macon called the Big House where they live. And he was coming around a turn and he couldn't he couldn't cut it. And everybody says it was a peach truck. That's not true. And uh, his his whole bike flew into the side of a truck. And what happened was, but he was he he was on the side of the road and he was okay. He was talking. And they were calling an ambulance, but they say that in his body had he hit the thing so fast that internal bleeding, internal bleeding. And they said, even if he got even with today's technology, it would have been very tough to save it because I think things different veins were pulled away from stuff and you, you're going to bleed out when you can do. But they all the band all went to the hospital thinking he was going to be OK. And the guy came out, and said he's gone. They were freaked out. Of course, they played music at his funeral, uh, but he was only 23. But not only did he form you know, uh, the Allman brothers and um, they weren't making that much money at the time. Then the Fillmore East album came out right as he died. And that took him over the edge, um, which is the greatest live album of all time. I think it's the greatest album of all time. That's me. And um, so, you know, uh, but before that he had worked with Eric Clapton on all the Layla sessions and he's just guitar work and Layla. If you go online, Google it, you can hear the different things going on. They, they separate the different tracks. His slide guitar work is incredible. He worked with, uh, I mean, Aretha Franklin, Boz Skaggs, and all these great artists, all before 23. And on every magazine, he's always in the top 10. Um, but I, I didn't think he should be higher because, you know, he was the guy just waiting outside and he would get paid and then drive back to Macon and they would share the money whenever he got paid $100 for the day or something like that. So Dwayne, big, big fan of Dwayne, all this stuff. But and I, know, I mean, I know that you're going to probably scoff at this statement but it's very um similar to kurt cobain if you really want to get technical about 
dying young, creating the band. The Nirvana was like yeah, hit I, after I, hit. I, and then and then thereafter, Nirvana became not became, but Dave Grohl did start the Foo Fighters. So it's like the influence that Kurt Cobain had. And I know that it's not you can make the argument. You can I'm just trying to draw parallels to um, you know, maybe either ruffle your feathers or no, well, he's not really but I don't put like I don't either guitar playing anyway. His guitar work is masterful. Um, we'll leave it at that. But yeah, the bands have influences. I get that. Uh, in the same way, Bing Crosby influenced a lot of guys. So did uh, the Allman Brothers influence a whole Southeast, and they hated the term Southern Rock. But anyway, I, but I wanted to ask you this. Um, uh, what was your first concert? Oof, my first concert? I think you might have asked me this. You have, have, have maybe you, not, you might have asked me like how my could first you not know right off the bat it's because there was there was it's hard to explain all right um the first concert that i went to when i, I was like very young i went to like a with Hall your parents yeah it with was your like, parents okay yeah, very young okay so what was your first concert where you went like um probably and where was Man. it it was at ruckers it was ruckers fest and it okay. was like method man and red man Method Man is, you know, so it was fun. Method Man, you definitely know who both of them are because Method Man was in a lot of shows. He was in the. Do Wire. you remember what the experience was like? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was a, it was, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it was just I was hammered. Uh, you know, right? Smoked a lot right. of weed and drank a lot of beers. It was at yeah. Ruckers, so you could imagine what was going on around, you know, nineteen ninety eight, wow, in New so Brunswick. Funny. You know, it I, was a fun time, though. I mean, my. Well, my experience was different because my first concert was 1980. Okay, I was 14, 15, excuse me. Uh, I saw Molly Hatchet at Convention Hall in Asbury Park. And, you know, probably holds 2000 maybe. All I remember is, and I was into Hatchet at the time, it was the loudest, it was the loudest event I've ever been at. I remember my ears... They just came on stage, you know, and it was so loud. I think the acoustics were bouncing off. We had, of course, we didn't have good seats. And I remember being like, I was like your first kid at a concert going like, oh, my God, this is wild. Um, you barely hear the music. I knew the hit songs they were playing, but, like, it was so loud. And I remember my brother telling me, wow, it's pretty loud in here. And he saw The Who, which he claimed was the loudest thing he's ever been to. But if I knew it, I would have had, like, cotton balls in my ears. But that was in the era where... No, but if you put cotton balls in your ears, you were just escorted out of the arena. You know what I mean? You couldn't do that. Yeah, no. Uh, even though it was like overwhelming. <clears throat> I remember being like, oh, my God. Um, and then a year later, my brother took me, and I went with my cousin John and a bunch of other guys who were a couple years older than me. Um, and in 1981, I saw the Allman Brothers at the Jadwin Gym at Seton Hall, and I was blown away. Um we had seats right on the floors, almost like a Jadwin gym is where Seton Hall used to play. I think they occasionally play games there now. Maybe they tore that down. I don't even know. But it was like an old school, like chairs on the floor. And they were loud, but they were like, I remember being like, wow, like this is, this is the band. They're not. They're, where it was loud, but the equipment was all top notch. Yeah, loud. it was. It was and, very and I, cleaner loud. And they were, I mean, back then a lot of the generation hated that jammy stuff, but I was like, Wow, look at all this. There's like eight people on stage, the sound, the keyboard, the drums. The Allman Brothers had two drummers, and eventually they had three. And I used to say all the time, I saw Van Halen in concert once. And I, I walked away going, they're so tinny. 
it's like it's like low. It's not loud. It's tinny. It doesn't where the Allen Brothers had heavy bass. Three got three percussionists up there. That those drums hit you right in your throat. It was such a cool thing. And a keyboard, the Hammond B3 that Greg plays, kind of it's almost like a church organ. It's just a cool mm-hmm. sound. Again, it's something I'm into. Um, and and that to me, you know, I'll never forget those two concerts. It was just like the coolest thing. And also, I also saw that same year the Southern Cross Band at the Royal Manor North on Route One, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. opened up a Whiskey Man. So my theme song is "Stay Alive" by Southern Cross, and they they actually blew me away too. Um, it was awesome. So anyway, um, and that leads to look, you know, uh, uh, to me the the Allman Brothers, their, their first album, then Idlewild South, and then Fillmore, then Eat a Peach, and Brothers and Sisters. As your first five albums, I'll put them up against anybody's, um, even though they had different configurations after Dwayne died. Uh, their runs at the Beacon Theater, just incredible. Um, but, you know, one thing about Southern Rock, though, the guitar work is crazy. I mean, obviously, you got Dwayne and Dickie Betts. And then you got, like, then they added Warren Haynes and Derek Trucks. And these are guys, like, if you go on the magazines and type in great guitarists, these guys are in the top 30, top 40, top 100 at least. Then the Outlaws had Huey Thompson and Billy Jones. And uh, Skinner had Alan Collins and Steve Gaines. And Hatchet had Dave Lubeck, who really founded the band. Um, and, of course, Toy Colwell, Colwell uh, Marshall Tucker, who picked with his fingers. Um, and the thing about that is all these cover bands now that are popular, like these different bands that you go see, like, you know, like a band's called Hotel California, and they do Eagle songs. You know, one of the things that's always difficult, Southern rock cover bands are hard because you can't do it with one guitar. You have to have two studs in the band. Very difficult. So whenever you find a Southern rock band or an Allman Brothers cover band um, or even a Skinner band, uh, you got to have those two guitars going. That's hard. You got to get two guys who are very good at something in a band. It's almost like um, it's almost like the, maybe the NFL, you got to have a good quarterback and a good defense. I don't know, something like that. Um, but I... Um, which leads me like what? Uh, let me ask you this: like what? What? What's the first album you ever bought? Or do you recall album, listening? See, to it's it hard or? because once I was at a point in my life where I was able to, where I had like the money to buy albums, I was already burning them off the internet. You know, like that was like right yeah, around so my got, generation. So okay. I got lucky where I so just you had, were on uh, Napster. I had the music. Like yeah, that. like I had the music like at a click. But I would say that at a younger age. And really, at the time, it was still like a, a badge of honor to actually have an album. I'll tell you one story or two stories. The first story being, um, we used to just go to US One. You remember US One Flea Market? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And they would have singles. So, like, Flea Market. I was just buying singles rather than albums. And it would just be like, a, you know, a Tupac song, Digital Underground. I know that you know that song. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a lot of old stuff, like probably like a vanilla ice. I was a young kid, so like I would get a couple bucks and I would buy what I would see on In Living Color. Like whoever the performer was that would come out on the In Living Color show, they would have, you know, hip hop acts that would come out. So I would just usually typically buy the the act that I, you know, if I liked it. And then like, were you a Beastie Boys that generation? No, I was a little bit after that. A little bit after that, it was more like um, In Sync. Wu Tang Clan. Um, okay, man, that's Tupac. Yeah, it's like the mid '90s rap. Um, yeah, I could yeah. really get in depth, but 
you would be completely right. I lost. Understand. If I, did. I understand. I mean, I, but there was you know, one time we had vending machines in the school, and um, you know, my buddy Joe, he could actually attest to this because, of course, one I, day, know, and I don't Joe. know. I guess the the um, <laughs> statute of limitation, yeah, the statute of limitations has got has passed on this. But one day they used to come in on study hall. Study hall used to be in the cafeteria at Colonial High School, so they came in to fill the for vending me machines. Too. Oh, it was for you as well. Yep. Okay, so they used to come in. Did they have vending machines? No, in the cafeteria. So they would come in during study hall and they would fill the vending machines with all the candy and all right. the chips and the sodas or whatever. And they would usually would take the money out. Right. So this one guy one day, um, the, the guy me, that was filling it. Tell me did, you didn't steal money from the vending machine. Well, no, I, I mean, I'm going to I just said the statute of limitations that hopefully is up <laughs> on this one. <laughs> totally going to get you arrested. But um, no, everybody stole something being. Once the guy left, it was like a mob ran to the vending machine. Everyone in study hall saw it, right? So it was just like a free-for-all, everybody taking stuff. And I'm sitting there behind the crowd, and I'm like, and I just see a stack of singles. I, it was like 50 bucks, but I ended up buying uh, the Wu-Tang album. And it's, right. it's funny because- So we'll, we'll go officially on, you're, you're with stolen money, you stolen bought Wu-Tang. I robbed the the vending machine at Colonia High School. Uh, that's great. I think you should don't. I think you should write a check for fifty dollars to the uh, Colonia football team when they play Woodbridge. And when next year, we next year we will go to the Woodbridge Colonia game. Yeah, absolutely, hundred um, percent. And for I, obvious reasons, sure there, there might even be some recruits <laughs> that we could bring on to the NIL deals. Like that's why I'm gonna start going to the Colonia games and recruiting <laughs> their their future athletes of America. But that's, um, that's funny stealing shit from the Colonia. Yeah, that's great. I would not have done that. Um, well, let me ask you this. I, I, well, I'll, I'll say mine. Well, there's two funny questions. Okay, so what, what? Three, three questions. What is your favorite band? My favorite band. Or, or it's very or, hard. No, I have favorite bands. I'm not. I'm not just like a. Um, but I'm not I, only you gotta answer this quicker. But it's, it's, it's tough, man, be. because I don't have. I don't have this. This like go to. I switch a lot. Um, and you there's a lot a of. Obs there's a lot of obscure bands that. From That's different, fine. If it's obscure. It doesn't matter. And I don't want to say one on the spot. Southern Cross like, Band you know is in my top Damn six. Nobody knows. Um, if you ask me the other two questions, I'll go back to the first one. All right. If you could, if it could be set up um, at your funeral, what song would you want played? Damn, man. You could have fucking asked me these things <laughs> before the show, and I would have had the, the questionnaire ready. You're, All, you're right. Asking... All right. How about this one? You're on a, again, it's been, it's been beaten to death, but not on our show. You're, you know, Tom Hanks, you're on there, and they say, hey, man, you got to live on this island. We're going to give you three CDs. What do you got? All right. Um, the Tupac Greatest Hits, and then probably J.I.D. Never Story. And then okay. another person that you definitely don't know of. And then I got to do something smart here. Like um, something that's going to give me a vibe. Probably go with like. Desert Island Disc, bro. This is it. These are like, only three CDs. Like, a, to um, like a, a, the J.J. Kale tribute album. Ah. It's, got like, it's got a lot of different stuff on it. That okay. is like very rangy. I get it. I get it. I'm a fan of J.J. Kale. Oh, very interesting. Mine would be uh, Allman Brothers Live at the Fillmore East. Um, I would also go with the first Outlaws album, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. And you know what? This would be, again, it's obvious, but I would go with the first Hatchet album. 
I get in arguments with my friend. What's better, the flirt with disaster album or their first one? I think the first one's better. So those would be my three. Right now um, I'm going to my Spotify to try and get my I band. Think, I think uh, funeral song, I would go with uh, probably – I know it's a depressing topic, but it's silly. Um, that's why we're doing it. Uh, I would probably go, but Blue Sky is one of the I, can, I don't know that I could do Funeral Song because you know that that's probably, like. Uh, well, I, I, for you, I'd probably do Whipping Post if I was. I, I would put. I would put like. Um, <laughs> that's funny. You got. You see how how hard I laughed at that. Um, but you ever hear Jack Johnson? I feel like Jack Johnson is probably up there in my. You know, I have heard of him, but I'm not. I'm not familiar with his music. Very, very good. Easy to listen to. Like you put on any one of his albums and you just hit go, and you're good. Okay, very, very I'll easy. Have to, uh, I'll have to check. Uh, here's another funny thing about music. This is our music show. We went a little long today, but it doesn't matter. Um, my dad had a. Uh, uh, um, he built a carpenter, and before. Uh, after kind of right as he got engaged, he built a stereo cabinet, maybe six feet across, four feet in the air, hand cut it, sanded it, stained it, blah, blah, blah. And he put high end equipment way high for what he could afford. He definitely overspent on it. And that was in our house growing up. And we weren't really allowed to touch that thing. He, he it was very, it had good equipment on there, and that's what Christmas time he'd bring the Christmas albums out. But what happened was, as time went on, I think one of the wires got because it was like 30 years old, 35 years old. One of the wires started to get shaken. We actually went in the back, pulled it out, and we we're like, Dad, they got different speakers now. Where because he insulated it inside the piece of furniture and attached the speaker to a piece of plywood with the foam, not foam, it was like an insulation around. Yeah, yeah. So we we're like, Dad, they got these bigger speakers, kind of what my brother had. And we got two speakers and we shoved it in, but we probably didn't spend as much as we should have. And so my father was like, ah, my stereo sounded better. I'm like, ah, dad, I don't know. These speakers were getting old, but here's the, here's the creep, not creepy, funny thing for me. These speakers that he had in the plywood were like 90 pounds a piece. It was like that iron metal, iron, iron, like and they're heavy. It had yeah. like that and that Magnet. tin, right. And uh, so my first car was a 71 Monte Carlo, which I bought from a guy, Slobodan Maldini on Harrison for 500 bucks. Uh, I would love to have that car today. But, you know, if I gifted you that car today, Chris, right now, you couldn't afford it. Even if I gave it to you for $500, you know why? Six miles to the gallon. Good luck with that, <laughs> because you you would say, Jimmy, thank you so much, but my gas bill is nine hundred dollars a month. <laughs> so I couldn't afford it now myself. Just I thought you were about to be like it was a it's a classic now. <laughs> I I beat it up for a year and I sold it for seven fifty. It still is a classic. If you have one, you pay more for insurance. But anyway, it only had the AM radio on it, and I didn't want to touch the AM radio because it looked cool in the dash. So back then, there was always a guy on the block who wired cars and stuff. So I took it. My brother's old stereo with the with the with the eight track, and with two pieces of plywood. I mean, uh, two two by sixes wedged it underneath, down underneath the, the the dashboard, and then we ran a wire up around. There was a way to go underneath the carpet. So so awful. And what I realized, my speakers were like the worst kind of those old AM speakers, and I ended up 
taking my dad's speakers and wedging them in the corner of the back seat, right? Wired it around the door and it sounded, it sounded shitty, but awesome. It was like loud. And when it went too loud, it would rumble in the car. I remember going like on my prom. I took a girl to prom and I had hatchet playing out. <laughs> but then what happens? You get, you get, shitty and drunk and stupid guys were hopping out of the car and guys were sitting on the speakers and denting them. And then finally I broke the bank and got, I bought a car stereo. Uh, uh, and I thought the guy was selling me a JVC, but he was saying the name JVC really fast. Okay. This, I think this is the funniest thing probably on this podcast. I went and bought it and they installed it right there. Okay. It wasn't a, it wasn't a JVC. It was a J. BC off brand. Okay. That's why it was only $200, but here's the best thing. So I put this in, I remember looking, I was like, Oh man, but it sounded pretty good. So who cares? I didn't have the money anyway to go better. So I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm so embarrassed. I bought a JBC instead of JVC, but a year in, I'm staring at it in my car in traffic. Not only was it called JBC, you know what JBC stood for? I wish I did. Just be cool. <laughs> Oh and that was God, and that was on that was on the flap that the cassette went in. And I said to myself, you imagine being on a date and some girl looks at that and sees just be cool. <laughs> oh my God. I, I swear I ended up throwing that. I wish I would have kept that thing. I'd be I, I would use it now. It's so funny. So I didn't get a JVC. I got a JBC. And I remember using it. I would do that. Kids would talk car stereos back then until car manufacturers realized, why don't we just put a really good one in, charge them $2,000 and be done with it. And since then, every all those places went out of business. But I used to tell people like, hey, what kind of stereo you got? Yeah, I got to go. I put a good one in. It's JBC. And they would think I'm saying Do the same JBC. thing that the salesman did to you. Same thing. Pass it on, brother. <laughs> but I had these <laughs> wired speakers that belong in a cabinet in my back seat. Oh, my God. In my 71 Monte Carlo, I'd kill to have that car again. But anyway, I know we spoke a little bit long about music, but that's my thing. Um, uh, I still love music in the car. I love my Apple CarPlay uh, music for my mood. When I'm washing dishes, I want to hear different music um, uh, and stuff like that. I have a little bit of a range. I do love the blues. I do love Sinatra. I love standards. Um, guys like, uh, you know, obviously Crosby and Sinatra and also like Mills Brothers, um, and also bands that, uh, you know, were popular in the 70s. A lot of soft rock bands I really like. Um, not a, that big fan of the Eagles, but they're okay. So that's it. That's all I got for show number 43. Went a little long. Oh, 15. that's it? That's it? You see that? You see that? You just you just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we talked no, a lot about that was good, though. Entertaining. Music. You know, we had, we had to do a lot of sports in the beginning because – but now I'll I'll fade off the Giants and and the Rutgers and all that stuff because there's nothing to talk about, and we'll start uh, we'll have a we're going to talk about different things. Uh, again, I know you didn't watch Yellow Jackets last night's episode was killer, bro, and it just made. I'm going to be honest. I tried and I just couldn't get past. Uh, you got. I'm going to be honest. I couldn't get past the first ten minutes. You got it. You got to stick with it. So I can tell you. And what you know what? Watch it with your girl. It's definitely maybe you watch it with a. Oh, I did. She and didn't like it either. Like, she was like, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll talk uh, off air. No, it's all right. Listen, I, I, I recommended the show. It made Entertainment Weekly's top show of the year. Uh, well, that's so, probably my first problem with it. I know, but it, it it's, it's, he's talking to me now. The show works on many levels. But, mm-hmm. uh, of course, that the, the streaming uh, market is crowded with good shows. 
Uh, the show I got, I can't figure out how to get on my TV is Yellowstone. Everybody's raving about it. I, 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 I got, I'm trying to figure it out. I can't find it. Um, I got, maybe I, I got to look it up because I never even, maybe I did hear of it, but that's with not, uh, not Kevin Costner. Oh, no, I don't care about it then. I it's just a, don't. It's I, a, it's a, again, it's a high, these shows are, I, I, I get these recommendations from people that I trust. So, um, you know, and I'm still watching Money Heist. I didn't finish that yet. Um, and I also watch Cobra Kai, Ralph Macchio. And I'm going to have Ralph on. Ralph, if you're listening, you're coming on the show uh, to talk yeah, about Cobra um, Kai. I like that show. The The first three seasons were, were better, I think, than what I've seen so far of season four. But we'll see. Well, you know, it's it's it's, it's just like it's, it is what it is. The show it is, is what, what it is. is. You know what? Uh, it's a fun show that pays homage to people our age. And exactly. And to be honest, um, it's the same thing that I'll tell people when they, when they talk about the Avengers movies and they're like, Oh, it's a little corny. And it's like, no, it's supposed to be, it's a comic book. I came off of watching, um, uh, what the hell is the movie with Lee Schreiber? Um, that's TV show. Um, Ray Donovan, Ray Donovan. And next, you know, I'm watching Cobra Kai and I was like, cause you, you watch the episode of Ray Donovan. You can't sleep for an hour. And yeah. I remember saying, you know what? If you're going to watch a Breaking Bad or a Better Call Saul, which is another great show, like you got to mix in a Cobra Kai because you can watch it like with. And a- to be honest, Cobra Kai, for as corny as it is, they get away with some crazy things. Yeah, they I'm do. I'm being honest. They no, really push the I, envelope a little bit. I totally agree with you. And listen to some of the lines that kids say. They're very. Yeah, you're young. like. Totally agree. Um and uh, but it's light. It's light. It's nothing. And know, it's they, reality. Like that's how kids right. talk. You know, like right. That's, uh, yeah, it is. It's a cute little show. God bless. And uh, hopefully Ralph will be on. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna text him. Uh, no, he's probably so busy with promoting this show, but he will be on soon. As will uh, be like you're making your media tour. Come on down. Yeah, come on me and uh, come on. Hey. And also, Chris DeStefano. I gotta Pause. get his ass on. Anyway, that's it. Um, check it out. Show number forty three. A little bit long. Sorry about that. And uh, I will talk to you soon. We'll be back next week with a very special guest. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Where have you come from? Where have you gone? I lost some in honey since you've been home. Has it been a long trip? Getting hot.